Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. At my signal, unleash hell. Welcome, happy Monday. You are listening to News Talk Saga 960. Mark Petrone with you for the next two solid gold hours of freedom-loving news talk. Yes, awesomeness. So very glad you could start your week right here on Saga 960. If you'd like to give us a call, we're always glad to hear from listeners just like you. 416-640-0200. I guess we'll find out in a few hours... The plans by the Ford government to impose a province-wide lockdown starting Christmas Eve, as reported by Brian Lilly in The Sun this morning. It's a fact that we'll have some people comparing Premier Doug Ford to the Grinch. But the reality is that polling shows the public strongly in favor of such measures. Oh, yeah, you see it everywhere. People say, yeah, I want more lockdowns. I just don't believe polls. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't see any. Come on, use your common sense here. Well, you see, I, I, mean, I talked to my friends. I say this is a bunch of BS. I don't want any more of this stuff. But no, the polls say that they support Ford and his uh, plans to impose more lockdowns. The final details of the lockdown, including how long it will last and what it means for schools, will be discussed at a cabinet meeting this morning. But the broad strokes have been laid out in a proposal put forward by ministers. And it looks like it's going to happen. So we'll have to see. I mean, will it put a cramp on your Christmas? Lockdown is generally a term that they use in prison, though, right? Is that what the country is now, a giant prison? Because it sure feels like that sometimes. I was watching football. Anybody watch football yesterday? Uh, It didn't look like they were social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you pile on each other. And, you know, come on, I'm going to get into this a little bit later on. It is just kind of weird. People are going to say, well, they test these players every day. So? You're still spreading it, right? Presumably. You got to wear your mask on the sidelines, though. <laughs> Although a couple of times I, wa- I was watching, I think it was the San Francisco game, and you could see you know, the, the manager or the coach had – the thing fell up below his nose. Now, oh, I had to had to adjust it. I'm on camera now. Oh, I know it's supposed to be different, but it just okay. So on the sidelines, you got to wear your mask, but in the field of play where people are banging into each other, you know, piling on top of each other, no mask. Strike is a bit odd. <laughs> A little contradictory, maybe. Anyway, how you feeling about the future as we head into 2021? 
are you happy that the 2020 is toast or almost? I mean, the good news is you almost made it. <laughs> You're almost there. The finish line is ahead, right? Well, make 2021 the year that people reassert their power over the government. I, I saw a tweet this morning. You know, you have to decide whether or not we're the boss of government or bo- our government is the boss of us. And sometimes it feels like they're the boss of us these days, doesn't it? They seem to act like they are. Anyway, uh, they're supposed to be accountable to the people, to voters, not the other way around. So I think we need to remind politicians of that in no uncertain terms. And I really hope that happens in 2021. Are you optimistic or do you think 2021 will be a continuation of more of the same? Sadly, some of us have lost loved ones. We mourn along with you if, uh, if you're on that list of people who may have lost uh, loved ones over the course of 2020 um, as we celebrate their lives and the lives that they touched. But uh, life does go on, of course. And uh, I don't know, I think this is the year that a lot of people may have lost faith in their government. I, I really believe it. The heavy hand of the state seems to be getting heavier every day. Are the people who got elected to look after our interests, are they so corrupt and on the take and so self-serving that we can't trust them anymore? These are the questions that I think we need to ask ourselves, telling, telling us that we can't have Christmas now, while no doubt some of them will get caught doing whatever the hell they want. And by the way, they repeatedly get caught, don't they? Maybe they don't care. Maybe because, what, elections don't matter anymore? I mean, if you've got the special software, don't you know that you can do whatever the hell you want if you're a politician? If you've got certain voting machines? Well, we certainly saw evidence of that uh, south of the border. We need to make politicians afraid of the people again. Yeah, we, uh, no, I'm okay. You know, I'm going to be careful here. I don't want politicians necessarily walking around terrified, but they have to be wary of the public. They have to be wary of a public backlash if they get out of hand. I think they've just become too comfortable. I don't know. What do you think? I think I think I want my politicians being a little uncomfortable, just a little, you know, just, you know, kind of like walking around. It's like having a pit bull with you. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, good dog. You know, you've been fed. Everything's fine. (laughs) But you never quite know when that thing is going to turn on you. And I want politicians kind of looking at the electorate that way. I want politicians to look at voters like that. And we've got Darko on the line, our first caller of the day. Darko. Hey, it's Rio. (laughs) Oh, the boss threw me a curveball. I hope she didn't do it on purpose. She wouldn't no, do something no, like that. No, we were that. talking about things. That, probably that's why. No, I'm at I'm at the dog park here. Finally, another dog came to play with my two dogs. There was a big puddle here, and I w- was filling it in. I said to my wife, "I'm bringing the shovel there because they have this mulch there." She goes, "You can't take the two dogs and the shovel there." I did it. See, I did it, Mark. You know, I'm not like a lefty who who just resigns himself and can't do things uh, innovative. <laughs> well, no, you're you're a an independent business person, just like your brother Darko. So you guys run your own company. So you know you're a different breed. You're entrepreneurs. To me, you're, you're the real capitalists, the There's real free marketers way, I'll in this tell you country. What happened Thirty years ago, my my uh, sister-in-law got married. And uh, the, there was a major storm for like 20 minutes. It was in July or something. 
and the power went out everywhere. Two floors at the Flamingo Banquet Hall. So the top floor, the people left. They didn't eat. They didn't do nothing. I think they ate because the food was still warm. But anyway, they, they left. I went, got a bunch of 8D batteries, got a big ghetto blaster from my house, put the food, uh, the thing out there. Everybody danced. We had flashing lights, candles. Saved the day. But nobody else could think of getting 8 D batteries for a big ghetto blaster. Well, there you go. Right? You, you're thinking. Thing, right? Let me ask you this. Thank you for that story, by the way. But All right, so what are you thinking? What's your thinking for 2021? Good oh, year, okay. bad year, better, yeah. worse, what? Are you optimistic or pessimistic? No, no difference. You know why? I laugh at people because, oh, 2020 is such a bad. I can't wait for 2021. Well, what do you think is going to happen on January 1st? Zero cases? <laughs> makes no difference what year it is. It's just, just like when every month changes. It doesn't matter. And, and the numbers go up the more that they close down things. They, they, when did they do this lockdown in Missaga? Like, it's not even two months ago, right? All the numbers went up. But the, I don't see any difference. I, I go to Oakville all the time, and I'm down on Lakeshore shopping, eating at the Japanese restaurant, the Greek restaurant. The numbers didn't make a difference there. They, it's not like because they're open, it's going up. I went to Oakville Place, do some shopping. Numbers aren't up there, and they're open, and Toronto and Mississauga's closed, right? It, the closing does not work. If you want to do a closing, do it for 7 to 10 days everywhere. Don't leave your house. Done, right? And now everybody's, oh, Australia. There's only 41 cases in Australia. There hasn't been a death there for weeks, and they're doing a shutdown. So what's going to happen here when we're, when we're next to nothing, right? We're going to still shut down, right? No, Australia hasn't had yeah. a death in, in I don't know how many weeks. I know there are other countries that uh, that have not done their lockdowns, like Belarus, countries like that. I mean, we've heard about Sweden and their experiment, but there are other countries that have done it differently, and they have not had any more deaths than others. I mean, you're getting contradictory facts. But and thank you for your call, by the way. Yeah, Mark, last year, oh, this time, sure. everybody I knew was sick, and this year it's only my sister-in-law who has Corona and her and her son. Right? How's she so, doing? How's she doing, by the way? Um, well, my wife, we, we she made soup. We brought it over. She was feeling better after. Uh, I think she's be, be okay, but she's the one who has the, the breast cancer because that's the only uh, oh, thing there. In her okay, son well, you got to be extra careful for sure. Right? So he's, he should be okay. Well, there's but, talk about a know, new strain. There's talk about another strain, my friend. I mean, in oh, fact... That's the other thing. This will never end because they, they no. want to hold stuff on top of us, right? It'll never end. They always want to do some of their BS, right? And if they were serious, why, why don't we just burn every product that's made in China? Why, why do they sell stuff in Dollarama, all the stores, sweaters? You know what? Cut them off 100%. You see that are serious about anti, uh, you know, corona you know and all... Yeah. Stop trading with the people who gave it to us. It is interesting, by the way, that UK was the first country to roll out their vaccine, and it's also the first one to that we know of to report this contagious, highly contagious new variant of the coronavirus. Thank you for your call, Rio. Appreciate that. A highly contagious new variant of the coronavirus is causing countries in Europe, particularly the Netherlands now, has stopped flights in from the UK. And uh, so plans to block travel now. You know, it'd be really interesting to see now if our country now stops travel in from the UK, because you'll re you'll recall our own prime minister declined originally to stop any flights in from Wuhan province and China in general at the start of this whole thing back in January when Trump, uh, January, February, when Trump was talking about and did, in fact, impose a travel ban from some of these coronavirus hotspots, including Wuhan province. Our own prime minister said, no, 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 we, we're not going to be racist like Trump. 
You know, is he going to do the same thing now with the UK? Is is that uh, going to change? Is his policy going to vary now? The UK warning last week of a new coronavirus variant thought to be up to 70% more transmissible than the original strain of the disease. That, according to the World Health Organization, the new variant has so far been identified in Denmark, the Netherlands, and Australia. News of the strain forced the British comp- uh, government to backtrack on... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Plans to let families mix over Christmas. Yeah, that's right. So Boris Johnson having canceled Christmas. Oy, you know, I mean, we did talk a little bit about this with Graham Elson last week. Graham, ha- Graham has it and his wife has it. But uh, so they're recovering and they're not feeling particularly well. But, you know, I think they're going to be fine. But here it is. So what are the implications now as far as this vaccine is concerned? You know, does this necessitate another vaccine? All right, my friends, we're going to take a brief time out. Todd Vino, our friend from Halifax, is going to be joining. I got to get his take on where his head is at at the end of this year and where we're headed going forward. Fearless predictions, maybe, from, from Todd? We'll have to see. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. You are listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960. Well, kudos to uh, our friend Minnie for this uh, update. Bill Blair, the minister, we are closing the border to all flights entering Canada from the United Kingdom. These measures take effect at midnight tonight, December 20th. Okay, well, that was, uh, that was yesterday. Well, uh, yeah, okay, so I'll just read on with the minister's uh, comments here. Uh, Enhanced screening measures are in place for passengers and crew on those flights that have already departed the UK and are expected to enter Canada before the closure takes effect. For more information, blah, 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 check that. Yeah, I mean, uh, gee, I, I, I seem to recall something about us not banning flights in from China. 
So I guess uh, Google's going to have to scrub this story here because it, it uh, shows the contradiction of government. This, we go back to February, Toronto uh, story. Uh, Canada was praised for not following the U.S. example of enacting a travel ban in light of the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, that by a spokesperson for the uh, China, for China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. This was going back to February the 3rd. Yeah, China saying, good job, Justin Trudeau. Well done. The quote in the story is, most countries appreciate and support China's efforts to fight against the novel coronavirus. And we understand and respect them when they adopt or embrace quarantine measures at the border entry. But uh, in the meantime, some countries, the U.S. in particular, have inappropriately overreacted. Todd Vino joins us from Halifax, who's the host of the Todd Vino Show, longtime broadcaster. And uh, Todd, I, I don't know, it seems to me that there's a, uh, a difference here. We didn't do it when China, when the, origi the original coronavirus was clearly being spread. We didn't accept those flights coming in from, from China. Uh, we did not ban at first, and China patted us on the back. Good job, Canada. Now, of course, yeah, you have uh, this uh, mutation of the strain, and boom, we lower the, <laughs> we lower the boom on the UK, saying no, uh, banning flights in. I don't know. Does that strike you as a bit of a contradiction? Well, this whole thing, Mark, has been a contradiction. It's been one contradiction after another, right from the... When it comes to these draconian policies as to who's been targeted, we know what's happening with small businesses. Uh, the large players are operating. I was watching the the, the uh, newscast last night, obviously, as everybody was, and I, I'm, I, they're creating hysteria is what they're creating. It's just absolute bedlam. How, how in the U.K., and how do you cancel flights? How do you how do you justify this uh, at that type of speed? December twenty, whatever we are now, Christmas right around the corner. People need to travel. Uh, we're told that this mute, new mutation is seventy percent more contagious. Uh, we're told that the the symptoms aren't any. I mean, this is the problem: is is that we're at the complete we're at we're at the complete discretion of what government officials are telling us now i've never seen obviously none of us have ever seen anything like this we have have completely allowed government uh, to rule and reign and regulate and dictate over everything that we're doing we're now talking about uh, to a broader point i guess i'm expanding this a bit what's going on in your province now with with extreme lockdowns again I, I just i don't i don't know that that government officials have any other playbook other than this this lockdown idea, and, and if they were so effective and if it was supposed to work so well, why hasn't it worked? And I think that's sort of the, the question that we need to start asking. We were told that this was the effective way to deal with this back in March or whenever it was. We all endured it. How do we, so, so what's the plan? To lock down indefinitely without any, any understanding of, of who's suffering and, and what, what other aspects of uh, people's lives are being impacted? I mean, you've talked about all of this, of course, countless times. But anyway, I agree with you. It's a double standard. UK's been, can you imagine being in the UK right now, what they're dealing with? I just, I just, I agree with you 100%. The contradictions are endless with this whole thing, and they have been from the beginning. And yeah, here we have the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness, Bill Blair, coming out and uh, imposing this uh, clearly. 
um, a different tact compared to what they did last February. So I think if there is a loss of faith here on the part of Canadians and a loss of trust, it comes around the contradictions, the fact that you can watch football on TV and see these guys piling on each other. I mean, you know, even in golf, you know, I, I'm not a big golf guy, but I was just watching a little bit of it this morning, you know, and some uh, the caddies and the uh, the golfers, you know, they're they're not social distancing. Nobody's going, mm-hmm. you know, there's no golfer that's saying, "I oh, hand me the nine iron and and spray it with bleach before yeah. you give it to me." I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, so it's one rule for them and another one for for the rest of us. But True. it is yeah. interesting in Brian Lilly's story today in the Toronto Sun. He talks about polling suggesting that people are all behind this. Oh, yeah, we need more, more lockdown. I don't see that at all. I don't know. What do you think, Todd? No, absolutely not. And I think people who support lockdowns haven't lost their, their damn job, quite honestly. I think people who support lockdown haven't lost business. If you polled the people that have lost businesses who, have, are, again, are told that they cannot operate, the employees who work for those businesses – uh, the, the family members that are that are associated with those people, the people whose rents they can't pay anymore, the people whose car, whose car loans are coming due, and they're asking for more. Ask all of those people what they think, and I'll bet you you get a different story. Yeah, you poll a bunch of government workers, and you poll a bunch of people who can sit home and collect a paycheck and aren't impacted. Sure, they'll have a different story, but uh, but I, and, and even that cohort of people, I would suggest, are, are tired of this. I don't buy it. People are sick of these lockdowns. I, I, I just even the term lockdown it makes you want to vomit. I just, <laughs> I just to think that we would be expected to be in our houses again for more months, not being able to walk outside. These fines, these draconian fines. I, I do people really want to live this way? I just can't imagine it, Mark. I can't imagine many people want it. Todd Vino joining us from Halifax. Oh, what's the situation in Nova Scotia? Are people obviously people are just as ticked off out there as they are anybody anywhere else. I mean, are they lowering the boom? Are they saying uh, no Christmas for you? What's what's going on? Well, I mean, people are just waiting now. I mean, we see what's happening again now with this UK threat, of course. So more hysteria gets gets fired up and turned around, and people are seeing what's going on with your premier Doug Ford. So the problem is, is that Dr. Strang, the chief public health officer. And the premier every day, they could come on the air any time and say, this is the problem, is that nobody knows. Like, how, why? You imagine being in business not having a clue. They're just making this up as they go. Any given day, they could shut everything down. And, and, the, and, and as other jurisdictions do it, the more the pressure will be on or they'll, they'll have perceived perception for them to do it. So people are afraid. Uh, but they're not afraid of coronavirus as much as they're afraid of what government has done and what it's doing. And they're sick and tired of, of the unpredictability and these extreme measures. It's, it's just ridiculous. I have family in New Brunswick. I can't visit them. I can't see. I've got an elderly mother. Uh, I've got all my family. Again, it's not the biggest hardship in the world. But, but when, when you can't travel I'm, uh, around each province, so you just got to wonder, well, how, how the hell does this happen? I just, people are sick of it. I'm tired of it. For, I speak for myself. Make some uh, predictions for the coming year. I mean, uh, I'd love to get you on again uh, soon to see if they came true. But, but right. uh, what do you? I mean, when people look to you as as a guy who's 
you know, a media talking head like myself, sometimes yeah. people mistakenly think we have all the answers. Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. we don't. But you know, what do you? If you look at a crystal ball right now, what do you see for twenty twenty one, Todd? I'm putting you on the spot a well, bit. Right, that's the that's the problem, isn't it, Mark? Who the hell knows, right? I, I <laughs> kind of given up. I, I think I think what I what I I think the the vaccine eventually will, as it gets rolled out, we'll get it done. I I hope. But now we're hearing about this mutation. So what does that mean for this vaccine? Does this mean that this, the vac- these vaccines will not impact? Or I, I'll tell you right now, if these lockdowns continue and, and we continue in this direction, uh, m- my prediction is more more disparity and and more poverty and more food banks and more more economic chaos. That's my prediction. <laughs> and I think we need to learn to live with the virus in the best way. And I'm not suggesting it to throw the masks away or any of that stuff. But I think we need to get a reality check as to what we can endure as a society and what's acceptable and dial back on the hysteria. And we need to learn to, to deal with this virus in a way that we completely didn't in 2020 because it's been an unmitigated disaster. All their public policies have failed. We're still dealing with it. Uh, and and I, we just need we need a, a paradigm shift when it comes to how we deal with vaccines or our virus this virus. That's what I think. All right. So if you're uh, Bill Murray's character in uh, in Groundhog Day, your prediction is it's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. It's brutal, Mark. And it's going to last the rest and of you know, your the, life. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He's ramping up the season. I, I don't know anybody. I'm like, who gives a rat? You know what? Like, I just like, <laughs> these guys are going to go play hockey and then a stupid bottle. I'm just sick of watching these guys. You know, people have lost their jobs. We're dealing with decimation of, of, of people and their mental health. I'm just sick of, of they're going to make every effort to, so that the Toronto Maple Leafs can suck again. <laughs> I'm just tired of it, you know? Let's listen to your uh, forecast for the coming year. I'll give you a, a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a note oh, of optimism. There's a note of optimism for 2021. Well, Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's do this again real soon, shall we? Sounds good, Mark. Merry Christmas for whatever that's worth. Merry Christmas, my friend. Todd Vino coming to us from Halifax in the beautiful province of Nova Scotia. 
All right, my friends. Uh, we're going to be taking you to Winnipeg next. Spencer Fernando standing by from the beautiful province of Manitoba. Coming your way after this brief commercial break. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Well, there was that great scene in Shawshank where Red starts talking about the walls, right? Because obviously they're in a prison. And he says, well, you're in there, you're in prison, and these walls are funny, right? Let's listen to what Red says to his fellow inmates in Shawshank. You believe whatever you want, Floyd. But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, and you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. Shit. Anyway, um, well, you heard what Red was saying. You know, you can become so that these lockdowns get to the point where you almost expect them. Yeah, first you hate them, and then maybe you, you kind of get used to them. Then after a while, you're afraid of going out. I mean, is that what's going to happen? Is that the psychological impact of these lockdowns? I don't know. Spencer Fernando joins us. He's with SpencerFernando.com. Spencer, I don't know. Is there a danger that we could get to not only tolerate these lockdowns, but kind of, I'm not saying love them, but just kind of get used to them and kind of depend on them to protect us from the outside? I mean, psychologically speaking, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, they've done studies uh, that show that uh, power has an addictive impact on people's brains. When someone gets a lot of power, their brain actually starts to change and they become addicted to that power. And I'm worried that a lot of politicians are in a, in a situation where that's happening. And they're going to keep finding reasons, even when this crisis is over, they're going to find reasons to keep demanding more and more power. Already you're starting to actually see uh, people start shifting their, their messaging, saying, well, you know... Uh, the climate emergency is also something where uh, we need to follow the science and make sure that we're reshaping society, right? You talk about the Great Reset and what everyone's talking about, and so reshape society with that and use that as the reason for continued measures that either restrict people's movement or completely changes society. So I think, you know, a lot of politicians, they're, they're exercising a level of power uh, they've never had before. If anyone had imagined that we'd be hearing politicians saying, you know, Christmas is canceled this year, no Christmas for you. And then many people would be happy to hear them say that and then go along with it. I think uh, that would have shocked a lot of people. And that's unfortunate what's happening. And a lot of them are not going to want to give up that kind of power. Yeah, I mean, you've got politicians who are addicted to power. They don't want to let that go. And then you get on the opposite end of things, as you suggest, people kind of get used to having this submissive kind of attitude whereby yeah, I mean that's uh, you know maybe that's the way it should be, and I and I draw mention to uh, Brian Lilly's story here. He was talking about how polling seems to put uh, a premier Doug Ford in a positive light in terms of whether people tolerate these lockdowns or not. 
and saying that, uh, well, you know, polls suggest that uh, Canadians uh, in general favor these lockdowns. First of all, I don't know too many Canadians who want lockdowns at all. Most people I know, I don't know about you, but most people hate hate these things. But maybe there is some psychological thing that happens, as you were suggesting, where this dependency cycle breeds uh, almost a sense of fear around going outside. And, you know, after a while, you become almost dependent, like like Red says in Shawshank Redemption. After a while, you know, you get, you get to depend on these things. Yeah, I think part of the issue is the whole the mentality of kind of do something, right? Like in all caps, do something. You have to do something. And so... You know, politicians are now competing with each other to be the ones seem to be doing something the most, which in most cases is just uh, lockdowns, right? So you have, I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, a very small percentage of cases actually originating in stores, extremely small in small businesses, right? You almost see very, very little uh, spread in small businesses. And much of the spread, of course, is happening in uh, people's homes, right? So this is Really, the one area that the government absolutely should never be controlling is whether people can meet at homes, right? Uh, and that's where a lot of the spread is happening. So they can't really, um, you know, they can't really admit that fully. So they have to do something, right? So what do you do? You look around, and you say, well, what are other people doing? Well, I guess we'll just uh, shut more stores down. You know, mostly small businesses, of course, because small businesses can't survive being shut down the way a big corporation can, and many of them are still, of course, being left open. So you have them all, all the politicians competing to do something, and then people watching the news every day. And uh, for them, for a lot of people, it's, you know, whichever politician is locking down the hardest must be the one who cares the most and is taking the most action. And that's kind of, it's it's it, it's the cycle that reinforces itself, right? People yeah. want action to be taken. Politicians look for the most obvious action, which is a lockdown, even if it's not going to do anything. And then people will say, oh, well, that's good, but uh, you know, there's still some cases, so lock down even more. And that's what we're seeing. That cycle continues. We have the uh, Minister for Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness, Bill Blair, saying, okay, uh, we're going to be closing the border to all flights entering Canada from the United Kingdom. Gee, it wasn't that long ago when people were saying, well, the idea of, of closing flights in from Wuhan province and uh, the rest of China and other COVID uh, hotspots would be a, a racist thing to do. We can't do that, even as Trump was doing it. So if we go back to February, very different policy than we're seeing right now, isn't it? Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, especially Patty Haidu, uh, you know, in most of history, someone who made as many mistakes as her would have had the decency to resign. Uh, it's just absurd. I mean, she's been wrong on everything. She was wrong from the beginning. And, uh, you know, she spent weeks saying border controls were racist, and she said they, they could cause harm, right? As if somehow shutting down the border during a pandemic would make things worse. I don't really understand how that works. So she said that for a long time. The government repeatedly, including many of the public health experts, said the risk was low. That's the phrase they used over and over again. And a very low chance it would come to Canada. And, and if it did, we'd contain it. So we don't need border controls. No worries. None of those people resigned. None of those people have really admitted that they got it completely wrong and have resigned. So we have the same people who got it wrong over and over again still in charge. And now, uh, you know, the politicians uh, at the provincial level, they're just all afraid of being attacked as a person who's not, quote unquote, doing enough. So we just see them keep locking down. And every time they lock down and then cases still go up, they just say, oh, well, we didn't lock down hard enough. So we need an even stronger lockdown. It's It's never an issue where maybe that's not the real problem, right? I mean, I've said this before many times. 
But if you look at, uh, you know, the many months where cases had gone down, that was a lot of time they could use to protect personal care homes, to come up with ideas there. And they didn't do that. So the most vulnerable group of people were not protected. And then their answer when it starts spreading more again is to just lock everybody down. Spencer Fernando joins us uh, from SpencerFernando.com. We've had the the Prime Minister come up with this bizarre prediction, say, we're going to balance the budget. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, uh, you know, this is just temporary. Last I checked, they were running, what, a $400 billion deficit? I mean, the idea that this guy, you know, has any credibility around balancing the books is crazy. It's just, I mean, I don't buy that for a second. I don't know. Where are you on that one? Yeah, well, I mean, he couldn't balance the budget before any of this happened, right? I mean, he broke his promise to run three small deficits. Uh, those were his words, small deficits. And uh, so he couldn't do that before this crisis. And to think that he's going to do it now doesn't make sense. The other thing that's a point I've tried to make you know, repeatedly is we're about to see something that has not been seen before, which is governments imposing policies, uh, like the carbon tax increase, for example, Governments imposing policies specifically designed to reduce consumption and basically reduce economic growth. They can't admit that, but that's really what they're trying to do. Governments doing that simultaneously as they try to recover from a gigantic increase in debt and a massive economic downturn. So you have the government saying, oh, yeah, we're going to recover. It's going to be fine. Well, putting you know limits on that recovery. And we haven't seen that before. And I don't think it's going to end well because it just it doesn't make sense. When you, when you look at it, you're going to restrict the economy, hit people with a massive new tax that goes up every single year, and also say, oh, yeah, don't worry about this huge, massive debt burden. We're going to be just fine. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I mean, I, I mean, I rarely, rarely hear the word recession. And I don't know if it's the uh, business uh, uh, journalists or whoever. They're just protecting this prime minister. I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind that our economy has been shrinking. I mean, if you go back, that this year has been a terrible one for the economy of this country. Uh, Look at your crystal ball a minute, Spencer. Where are we headed, not only economically in this country, but uh, socially speaking in 2021? As you look ahead bravely, um, do you want to make any prediction? Maybe you don't. I I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, but do you see us heading in any particular direction? Well, I think there's going to be a surge in support for the idea of big government. Uh, If you look at the way the media has framed things and um, the way a lot of politicians have framed things, that's going to be, I think, what takes place. I think it's going to be very tough for conservatives uh, because they're kind of being pulled in most directions. As you talk about, uh, you know, what Brian Lilly mentioned, the polls tend to show. um, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, a lot of support in some cases for uh, even tougher lockdowns. Uh, but within conservative parties themselves, a large group of conservative voters and conservative-leaning people uh, are looking at this and saying, you know, I didn't vote for uh, a conservative party provincially in many cases. Didn't vote for them so they can be telling people uh, they can or can't meet with their family, telling people Christmas is canceled, uh, decimating small businesses. Well, of course, having policies that still benefit big corporations, many of which aren't even owned in Canada. 
So I think the conservatives are in a very tough spot, both federally and provincially, because they're being torn in uh, two different directions. And so it's going to be a real challenge, uh, because I think, you know, the liberals are going to say, look, we uh, we totally saved you. You know, the government saved you. This is all about the government helping you out, which, of course, ignores the massive government mistakes at the beginning that let it become such a problem in the country. But with the media, uh, you know, pushing that narrative with obviously the liberals and you know, NDP will be pushing that narrative. Uh, the conservatives, I think they need people who are going to have a lot of courage and toughness because they're going to be kind of pushing against the, the mainstream for a while. And that's going to be a challenge. But we'll see. I know mean, if they just try to give in and just go with the flow, uh, you know, they're going to lose a lot of their own supporters. So I think they need to rediscover the art of persuasion, not just try to find uh, the perfect poll tested word to try to win, but actually, you know, stick to your belief, stick to core ideas of individual freedom and personal responsibility and, uh, you know, advocate for that and see what happens. Election in 2021, do you see us uh, going to the polls? Well, Trudeau clearly wants one. Uh, I I think he'll try to push for one. And it really will come down to the conservatives because the NDP, of course, is too weak to push for an election. So they'll try to find any reason to keep the liberals in power. But the the conservatives, again, as I said, they're torn in two directions also on this because I think most conservatives want uh, an election to get Trudeau out of office, but I'm not sure if the polls are looking too good for the conservatives internally, so they may be trying to find a way to look like they're being tough and opposing Trudeau without actually taking him down. So we'll see what happens. So you think the Tories may end up propping up the Liberals to Yeah, or to avoid... finding reasons to you know never really you know go all the way and take the government down and move to an election. Uh, we'll see. I mean, O'Toole is in a tough position. His name recognition is still pretty low with a lot of people. Uh, it's Remains to be seen whether he's got the charisma to to take on Trudeau, although he's more charismatic than Sheer. That's not necessarily saying that much, to be honest. But uh, we'll, we'll see. It's, <laughs> it's a tough job for the opposition in any, any circumstances. But in a year where the prime minister's had so much public visibility, uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I, yeah, a Graham Cracker has more charisma than uh, than Sheer, but um, yeah, unfortunately, true. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Take care. Spencer Fernando. Check out SpencerFernando.com for your news and commentary. And we'll be back after this brief commercial break on Saga 960 after this. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more news talk, so very glad you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. And if you'd like to give us a call, like the man said, 416-640-0200. Kind of a down down start to the markets this morning, although not nearly as bad as what uh, appeared to be the case in the pre-market. Dow's only down about 185 points. That's about two-thirds of 1%. NASDAQ down a lot more, however, percentage-wise. As well as, well, almost point-wise, but percentage-wise, certainly it's down 150 points is the NASDAQ. So tech stocks 
Uh, getting a bit shredded this morning, starting with uh, Tesla down over 40 bucks. That's well over uh, 5%, almost 6%. So t- uh, Tesla taking a bit of a beating this morning, as is Apple, though not nearly as bad. Uh, Apple is down nah, buck thirty-eight. Uh, Boeing also down two and a half percent. Amazon bucking the trend a little bit, though, just barely up. Though it's uh, it's up about a buck uh, and change. I, I see that uh, their warehouse, uh, their fulfillment center in New Jersey, was forced to close due to COVID. Um, that's a situation. So I don't know how bad it is in some of their other facilities, and I haven't heard any reports uh, from Amazon facilities here in Canada. Um, having a quick look at oil this morning, it's actually down almost 4%. Uh, oil's down buck uh, eighty-six, 3.8% to $47.24. That's West Texas Intermediate Brent. Uh, down a couple of bucks as well. That's almost 4% as for, for Brent as well. So oil getting uh, battered this morning. Kind of a mixed story as far as precious metals is concerned. Gold is flat, pretty much flat. It's down about 70 cents. So it seems to be um, kind of holding its own. But silver is up. Silver is up over 1%. And so uh, precious metals uh, kind of a, uh, going their separate ways here between silver and gold. And um, having a quick look on this side of the border, and I see the TSX not doing particularly well at all. It's down 188 points. So that's the situation as far as, um, as stocks are concerned. Uh, I mean, I don't know, what, what are your economic expectations for, for 2021? I mean, are things going to get better for you? I see Americans can expect stimulus checks, although they're going to be a lot smaller. Uh, Congress now has agreed to a $900 billion COVID stimulus deal after months of failed negotiations. But I guess now that... Uh, I guess all sides see uh, big bad Trump kind of headed uh, towards the exits. Unless there's some kind of miracle. I don't know. I Just some strange anomalies just continue to come out about this whole election that just make absolutely no sense. And I dare say that a lot of people are demoralized as a result of feeling in their bones that something went very wrong. And it's not just hype, and it's not just conspiracy theories. There are some serious uh, problems with the election. And so once they take that away, once they take your ability to, to throw these people out away, um, you know, it tends to uh, make you think, uh, well, you can either go one of two ways. You can become angry about it, or you can become demoralized and kind of apathetic. I think it's better to be angry myself. And some people in New York City are, are pretty ticked off, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, this this is a good story out of New York City where restaurants are saying, now they won't serve that uh, communist governor uh, Cuomo or that Marxist mayor de Blasio. The quote from this story, let him eat at some crappy roadside diner. New York City restaurants strike back banning Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, of New York State, banning it, who banned indoor dining at New York City restaurants. And uh, the story goes on to say that it could foretell a dark winter for one of the city's top industries. These people are really ticked off. The indoor ban is the second of the year with at least half of the city's restaurants in danger of closing as temperatures plunge and snowstorms deter patrons dining outdoors. Well, it gets pretty cold in New York City in the wintertime. And so they had set up these I don't know if you want to call it gazebo type of scenarios. You could eat outside and have a, they have a heater set up. 
but it's not really working that well. <laughs> the elements are what they are, my friend. Restaurants are furious with Cuomo's latest decision because only 1.3% of coronavirus cases originated from eateries over the last three months. The quote from a, a restaurateur named Jan de Rockford says, this is insane. He's the founder of the tapas chain Cocaria. His quote is, they are basically shutting down an industry and throwing thousands of people out of work because restaurants were linked to this tiny percentage of cases. It is criminal, unquote. So restaurant operators will, uh, well, they're, they're only going to take so much pain and they're pushing back. And in this case, pushing back directly against Cuomo. Festering under the surface is a revolt as restaurateurs call for a citywide permanent ban on Cuomo. <laughs> I, what have they got, like pictures of this guy posted? If you see this man anywhere near this restaurant, close down, do not serve him. Yeah, they're not going to, they're not going to serve Cuomo at any restaurant. Well, there's so many... <laughs> these guys say don't go to a restaurant and yet time and time again so many of these liberals caught with their pants down doing exactly what they tell people not to do a lot of people losing faith in big tech which is uh, obviously evil <laughs> duh honestly you look at a guy like Mark Zuckerberg and you say there's something something off about this guy I don't know what's going on there but there's something off are you going to make a New Year's resolution to not spend as much time on social media? Is that going to be one of the things that you're going to commit to? I'm not going to go on Facebook. I'm not going to go on uh, Twitter. Or maybe I'm going to find some alternate pro-freedom social media site like Parler or Rumble, any one of these other sites. I mean, or are you just going to go along to get along? Are you going to opt out? Or are you just going to shrug your shoulders and say, well, I guess that's kind of where we're at. And there's, of course, the mainstream media. Have you lost faith in the media? Many continue to do just that because, well, the media is in, basically in bed with government now. They know where the money is. They know where the money is. They're all on the government payroll. I mean, I, I spoke about this cycle of dis dependency going on between the media and the government. The government fostered this sense of, me of, uh, of dependency. And now that they've created it, well, guess what? Media is going to be a lot easier on Justin Trudeau than they would have otherwise done. And that, sadly, erodes trust in the media from the rest of us, and we go elsewhere, don't we, to look for content. Okay, okay, my friends, we're going to take a brief commercial break. we got a, a news update at the top of the clock. So lots more coming your way on Saga 960. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
of it. All right, we are back. Mark Petroni with you on Saga 960. So very glad that you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petroni radio program. Snap out of that liberal media-induced stupor. It was last February that uh, Patty Haidu, the health minister, came out and said, we don't want any bans in terms of flights coming in from China. There's no proof that it shows that it stops the spread of anything. Yeah, that's what she said. Patty Hyde, this was let's go back to February now in a press conference. I'm reading this uh, CUTV story uh, dated uh, February the 3rd, which I guess Google now and CTV are going to have to scrub. Get right on that. Oh, get right on that, okay, CTV, because this uh, could embarrass the government. So just get rid of it. But while it's still up, in a press conference, uh, this was going back to February, as I said, Canadian Health Minister Patty Hyde to explain the government's choice to avoid a travel ban is due to lack of evidence to support that closing all borders is necessarily the right way to go. Certainly, we know that the evidence suggests actually the opposite. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that in fact, by closing down the borders, it's much harder to detect where someone is coming from. Huh? <laughs> That's what she said. Haidu said, adding that an open and honest transaction allowed for a much more detailed screening process. Yeah, fast forward to uh, December 20th, and Bill Blair says, <laughs> we're going to shut this puppy down from the UK. We have Franco Terrazano on the line. Um, he is uh, with the Taxpayers Federation. And Franco wants to talk about the carbon tax. Trudeau's second carbon tax means more costs at the worst possible time. Franco is, uh, as I said, in Calgary. Franco, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I like that. You got a little bit of Italian thing. Hey, how you doing? Yo, how you doing? <laughs> I'm Italian, too. So I get to say that. You know what I'm saying? I like that. Franco Terrazano. All right, Franco, talk to me about, I, I guess this, this uh, carbon tax 2.0 is going over like a lead balloon in Alberta. Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, it's, it's really a death by a thousand cuts here from, from, our, from our federal government. And, and, you know, and most people know about the massive carbon tax hike that Trudeau announced, um, what, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. But um, this Friday... We, we just heard Trudeau government bury his second carbon tax and regulations that he's trying to sell at the clean fuel standard. But when you hear clean fuel standard, what it really means is Trudeau's second carbon tax. And, and this is what's going on here. The feds are, are going to require producers to reduce the carbon content of their fossil fuels. But, but here's the catch. If companies can't live up to Trudeau's requirements, then they're going to have to pay his second carbon tax. And and I need to make this very clear, is that Trudeau's second carbon tax, these costs, these are in addition to Trudeau's current carbon tax that he just hiked. And, and yes, it's going to hurt industry. Yes, it's going to hurt producers. But we've already heard economists, you know, sound the alarm that these costs are going to be passed down. They're going to make their way to families. They're going to make their way to small businesses. They're going to make their way down to your favorite mom and pop shop down the road. But wait a minute, Franco. The government promised that it wasn't going to raise the carbon tax, so they couldn't possibly they couldn't possibly have lied, could they? Oh, they lied. Oh, yes, <laughs> they, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a, it, there's no way else to say it. It's a, it's a lie, right? You had 
Eve, you had Trudeau's former environment minister, Catherine McKenna. When she was vying for votes in the lead up to that last election, she told us that the Trudeau government has no intention of, uh, of increasing the carbon tax beyond what we already knew. And, and then Trudeau, even just a few months ago, he told us the family that, you know, he's not going to be increasing taxes. He's not going to be saddling Canadians with higher costs. Well, I don't know how you, uh, you, you square that claim because he just massively hiked his first carbon tax. Um, or he announced his plans to, and now we're seeing a second carbon tax. So you, ha- you have to call a spade a spade, and it is a lie. Here's a story out of Blacklock's reporter today. The new $94 billion federal fuel regulations combined with the carbon tax will add, are, are you sitting down? Will add 50 cents a liter to gasoline by 2030. That, according to an advocacy group, the Department of Environment, uh, in a legal notice, acknowledged the middle-income households and those facing energy poverty will be the hardest hit. But wait a minute. I thought this guy was the champion of the middle class, the so-called middle class. That's what he said back in 2015 when he was running. He was going to save the middle class from that mean old Harper. Now we're here. And guess who, guess who gets hammered with this thing the hardest? It's people in that middle-income range. Uh, you know, we're the ones getting smoked with this tax. So uh, the quote, according to Dan McTague, who is a regular on this show, is this is extremely cruel. He, of course, is the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. It's a government, it's a real mess, and it's completely self-inflicted. I have been in government, and I have never seen a, a government inflict this kind of cost on consumers, especially at a time of a pandemic when people are already suffering. Does this make any sense to you at all, Franco? Well, it doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with, with, uh, with Dan there. And, you know, his, his organization has put out a lot of good material. So on top of Trudeau's first carbon tax hike, um, and remember, by 2030, that's going to be soaking families 30 bucks every time they fuel their, their minivans, right? Um, and, and this is just adding insult to injury here with a second carbon tax. Because I can tell you right now, I'm in, I'm in Calgary. Well, I don't know too many Albertans, and I don't know too many Canadians who have a pile of money lying around uh, to be able to afford not one, but two Trudeau carbon taxes. Um, anyway, so Dan's organization, they say that Trudeau's second carbon tax could add about 10 to 19% um, onto the cost of gasoline. And that's the second carbon tax. So that's in addition to all the costs that, that we're already paying on Trudeau's first carbon tax. And, and if I can just offer a little bit of perspective um, from an Albertan here, it, it really is death by a thousand cuts here, right? We, we, we already saw the Trudeau government. They rejected Northern Gateway. They moved the regulatory goalposts on Energy East. Um, they imposed a no more pipelines law. They imposed a discriminatory tanker ban. You've got their first carbon tax. Now we're getting carbon tax increases. And here's Trudeau's second carbon tax. Um, you know, so you can really just go on and on and on. It's really just one blow after another. Franco Terrazano joins us. He's with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. All right, so what are Albertans going to do about it? I mean, how are they pushing back? I mean, politically speaking, I hear that there's even talk of bringing back the NDP because people are ticked off with, with Jason Kenney. I don't think that's going to help them very much. What's going on in Alberta right now? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly it's uh, difficult times. Um, so right now we've got a court challenge. We're at the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, the Supreme Court already heard our challenges against Trudeau's carbon tax. Um, you know, we, we had a challenge in the Alberta Court of Appeal where we won. 
where um, it found Trudeau's carbon tax unconstitutional. So we're, we're, we're waiting to hear from the Supreme Court of Canada. And that's a really important point, is that Trudeau just announced a massive carbon tax increase before the Supreme Court of Canada even ruled on it, right? Um, now, now going back to kind of what we're, what we're hearing for and what we're gearing up for in Alberta is our Premier Jason Kenney, um, he announced that we're going to be holding a referendum on equalization uh, next fall. So that's really one of the first steps in, in what we're kind of coining our, our fight for fairness here in Alberta. Well, hopefully you can trust the courts to do the right thing. Unfortunately, a lot of people are disenchanted as they've seen so many of their politicians and bureaucrats bought off, even law enforcement officials that seem to be no longer willing to hold the liberals to account. And uh, so this is kind of one of the last lines of defense, even though we've seen some very questionable rulings at the judicial level among uh, judges. Hopefully you'll get an honest one to deal with this matter. That's all I can say. I mean, I, you know, my, my hat goes out to you. You have to take these guys to court. I know that the CCFR, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, has taken the, this uh, government to court. I mean, we have to draw the line. We have to dig in our heels because it just seems like the people of this of this country are under assault from our own government yeah and and you know we're 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 certainly struggling and if i can go back to that first carbon tax you know we we heard um trudeau's environment minister now saying that there won't be much impact to the economy well you know forgive me if if i'm highly skeptical after his predecessor and after the prime minister already lied to us on the carbon tax but but now we're finding we're hearing from our environment minister out in alberta he's saying that uh you know the trudeau carbon tax hike could cost us up to a hundred thousand jobs you know that's that's huge. Um, and, and, you know, Trudeau is trying to sell these carbon tax rebates. Well, you know, I don't think the, the 100,000 people who lose their jobs um, potentially will really find much, uh, much in that rebate, you know, to make up for their loss. No, not there. even close. Is the media covering this story out there? I mean, people think of Alberta as this rock-ribbed conservative bastion, but in fact, the media is as lefty there as it is anywhere else. Well, you know, um, the carbon tax hike, that one is making making waves. But, uh, you know, we haven't heard as much coverage as I would have thought about Trudeau's second carbon tax. And I think that, that largely, I think, has to do with the fact that Trudeau buried it in regulation on a Friday. Pretty sneaky way to uh, hammer Canadians over the head with another increase at a time when we can't afford it all. I mean, you're in the midst of a pandemic, I mean, I agree with, I think Dan really nailed it here. It's particularly cruel by this government. I think there's a, like a sadistic element to what these people do. You know, I don't know. There must be something in these, and uh, the pain that they inflict on people that maybe gives them a rush, makes them feel good. I don't know. There's something, there's something sick and sinister about these people. And they really need to be called out. So good for you for doing it, uh, Franco. Well, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having having me on your show today. And, you know, I do think that they're very detached from the realities facing their constituents. Well, I, you know, maybe uh, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Maybe they know exactly what they're doing. Maybe they know exactly the pain that they're inflicting on people. Maybe they just get off on it. I, don't, I just, excuse me for, for sounding cynical, but these people are sick in the head. There's something seriously, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. And uh, if we don't take it back, we're going to be in big trouble. Anyway, Franco, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Franco Terrazano from Calgary in the great province of Alberta. He is with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And we'll be back with a lot more on Saga 960 after this brief commercial break. 
Stream us live at saga960am.ca. to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Well, the world's scrambling to isolate the UK over fears of a mutant COVID strain. Fears that it could uh, spread. Well, <laughs> give me a break. Like how do you con- how do you contain something like that if in fact it is as serious as some people think? In this other story, however, scientists saying, including by the way, and members of Parliament saying, "Well, where exactly is the evidence that uh, that this thing is seventy percent more likely to be contagious?" In other words, this is oh well. Actually, we heard that from our friend Graham Elson last week that he he had heard that, and in fact. He was feeling the effects of this uh, new, you want to call it improved, <laughs> new and improved uh, COVID-19. I guess it's not COVID-19, it's something else. I don't even, does it even have a name? Anyway, so I guess there, there, there are trucks, uh, backed up trucks are, are piling up at the crossing points between France and the UK. Well, you've got the English Channel there, but I suppose you've also got the, the link there. And uh, they're piling up at crossing points between France and the UK in a preview of their post-Brexit transition relationship. So I guess that's what's going to be, uh, that's what the new world, once it's, um, once the, the hard uh, Brexit comes into place, it's like they will stop at nothing to prevent this Brexit. It's like it's the worst thing in the world for these globalists. I'll read you part of the story in, um, in Zero Hedge. We noted several times over the weekend that a mutated version of the virus, first unveiled by Health Secretary Matt Hancock of the UK last week, has started to concern authorities across Europe, as many of the UK's former brethren in the EU closed borders, at least temporarily, upon news that a mutated version of this virus that is believed to be 70% more infectious. How have they come up with that determination, I wonder? And that it has been spreading in London and other parts of Southeast England. Suddenly, the same scientists who have insisted that mutations related to COVID-19 did not, did not pose a serious threat, are now pleading with Londoners who now face the daunting level four lockdown where life and commerce has effectively ground to a halt to watch their every step while some scientists in the U.S. have urged health authorities to cut off all air travel to the, to the U.K. Well, we're already seeing action in this country. They were Johnny on the spot. Like I said, last February, there's no proof that Banning flights in from Wuhan province would have any effect on the spreading of COVID-19. Now, boom. (laughs) That's why people don't trust governments anymore. I mean, you can make the case, well, they've learned, right? You know, they're getting more able to, uh, to deal with it based on mistakes that they've made. Although they don't seem to admit those mistakes very often, do they? It's always somebody else's fault. 
It's like uh, the lack of preparation over PPE was Harper's fault. Yeah, it was, it was somebody else. It wasn't their fault. Oh, no. The shutting down of warehouses. Remember that? That was a good one. Yeah, we're going to save $900,000 a year. Listen, I'm all for saving money. Believe me. But I'm not sure that uh, doing that was the right way to do it. But they did it. Shutting down warehouses and then shipping PPE to the landfill. That's right. Dumping millions of dollars. And by the way, they also shipped 16 tons to China. I mean, the mistakes these people made, compounding on top of mistakes, you know, and stuff still coming out thanks to FOIPOP requests and thanks thanks to the, uh, the handful of media still doing their job. <laughs> Last week, the story about how they were telling people, rather than using medical gowns, just throw on, just throw down an, an apron. It's the same thing. Is it? <laughs> if you say so, man. Well, in that case, yeah, just use anything. No masks, no gowns. But it was all Harper's fault. You know, the contradictions around whether to ban flights in from uh, Wuhan or any other COVID-19 hotspots. Can't do that. That's racist. No, Trump did that. That's bad. And yet somehow these guys are perceived to have done such a good job on COVID-19. It is mind-boggling the fact that people still still believe even a word they're getting out of the media, which is nothing more than a mouthpiece for government. It's pretty sad. But it is what it is, my friends. French, French transportation officials imposed a 48-hour suspension of freight transit across the English Channel, leaving thousands of truck drivers stranded. You know what? I bet those refugees are still being allowed to go. Oh, yeah. You just, <laughs> you just know it. No, we can't stop the refugees from coming over. No. Just like in this country. You can still walk across the border and ask for uh, political asylum. That's the situation at our border. It just, it, you know, it's like these guys have an agenda in their head. And so they have to do contortions and, uh, you know, stretch into like a pretzel type of logic in order to justify everything that they want to do when it's obviously contradictory to other things that they're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? Like on one hand, it's all about climate change. That's yeah, a huge priority. Well, then why are we letting more people into the country? Why are we letting 350,000, 400,000 people into, into Canada every year? Why? I mean, doesn't that increase our carbon footprint by virtue of the fact that we have more people in this country? No one ever talks about this. You know, if you're going to justify, if you're going to say that climate change is an existential threat to the country, to, to the world, and you have to do something about it, and that you have to shrink your carbon footprint, then you stop people from coming into the country because by virtue of having more people come in, well, that's going to increase your carbon footprint. It has to. I mean, these people aren't going to come over here to live in mud huts, <laughs> right? They're going to want stuff. They want to have houses. They want cars. They want to have fun. You know, they want to do stuff that involves increasing their carbon footprint. You know, believe me, just ask any rich person with a, you know, with a, with a yacht or whatever, or 15 homes, right? Those people have massive carbon footprints. And the more people that you have in a country, the bigger the footprint is going to be by logic. It's just basic logic. 
So if you're putting that big a priority on climate change, well, then you say, you know what, we're not going to let anybody into the country or we'll let, we'll let 100,000 or 150,000 into the country, you know, kind of sustain things a little bit. But that's about it, because we don't want to grow our carbon footprint. We don't want people using fossil fuels. And we know that once they come here, they're going to use fossil fuels because everybody does, whether it's to stay home or to go from A to B or anything. You know, their carbon footprint growth gets exponentially bigger when they come here. They have to. We live in a cold climate. Hello? And anyway, so the point is that they do contradictory things despite the fact that they're justifying it on faulty, using faulty logic. I don't know if that makes much sense. It's like they have an agenda of things that they want to do. I mean, at the top of which is destroy the country. I mean, let's just face it. Let's just, let's just come right out here. They are wrecking this place. Wrecking it. And uh, it's just a question of how do you justify it, right? It's like this big, um, horrific uh, mass murder happened in Nova Scotia. It was like they couldn't wait to justify grabbing guns, even though they knew darn well that what happened in Nova Scotia had nothing to do with legal firearms ownership in this country. That's what I'm talking about. It's using events to justify things that you want to do anyway. You got a list, right? So they come in and say, we're going to go after the guns. We don't care. We don't care whether it's going to stop crime or not. In fact, these people, I think, in their own minds, actually welcome street crime. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I meant it. Why? Because they can use that as a pretext to go after legal gun owners, which is what they want to target. People are pushing back. And I think the more people push back, the more nervous governments get. And they have reason to be nervous. And I think we have, we have reason to make them nervous going forward. I think it's up to us to make governments nervous. I said it earlier. You know, it's like if you think of it in baseball terms, or I don't know if you're a baseball fan, whatever, but, you know, sometimes you get a pitcher on the mound and, um, you know, you get a, a batter stepping into the batter's box, right? He's getting ready to hit the ball and he digs in and he digs in and he looks all cocky and he looks into the pitcher's face and he just has all, he's oozing with confidence. It's like, yeah. Well, sometimes a pitcher's going to look at a guy like that and go, you know what? You're a little too cocky. You're a little too comfortable in that batting, uh, in your little batting stance. You know, maybe you need a little bit of a, you know, you know, chin music, what they call chin music. You know, you, you throw a hard pitch, a 95, 96 mile an hour heater, and it comes within, uh, you know, maybe a foot of your face. <laughs> and other times, you know, a guy like Clemens, you know, would step up. To, and you knew that he was going to hit somebody. You just knew it. And that guy threw hard. So he would rear back. And if he thought that you were a little too cocky, a little too comfortable, in the batter's box, he would hit you. I remember this one guy, just he hit a couple of home runs off of, uh, off of Clemens. And he stepped up to the bat. And you could tell the guy had just had all this confidence. Like, I got your number, man. I've got your number. I can hit your best pitch out of the uh, yard. Well, Clemens hit him. <laughs> just flat out. I mean, obviously he didn't say, I was going to hit you. But he hit him. Why? Was it like an, an accident? No, it wasn't an accident. He didn't lose. That was a calculated hitting of the batter in the box. 
And what I'm saying is maybe it's time that voters start thinking of themselves as the pitcher and government as the hitter. And government is stepping up to the plate and they own you. Oh, yeah, they got your number, man. You're not going to tell them what to do. Well, maybe they need a little bit of chin music, you know? Maybe they need a purpose pitch. Maybe they need a reminder not to be so damn cocky all the time. And it's up to you to do it because these people are cocky. They think they can do anything they want. And I see it everywhere. More and more people saying, hey, I mean, who's the boss here? We elected these people. They work for us. And yet more and more of these politicians, man, they just get so cocky. They get so used to having so much control over the people of this country. And maybe they need to be reminded, my friends. Maybe they, be, maybe they need to be told who the boss really is. Because they think right now, they think they're the boss. They need to be reminded that they're not the boss. And if you don't remind them, they're going to keep acting like they are the boss. That's just a fact. That's just human nature, my friends. A purpose pitch. A little bit of chin music for these people. Might not hurt. You know what I'm saying? Might not hurt. All right, my friends, we're going to be back after this brief commercial break. Don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Well, the Department of Health was so overwhelmed by demands for COVID-19 testing that it actually asked marijuana growers for help. That according to internal briefing notes, health officials publicly claimed the Canada's testing regime was among the best in the world. Yeah, they said one thing to you and me, but uh, in actual fact, <laughs> they were pleading for lab space and help by the pot growers. We got a caller on the line. It is... Hello, uh, hi. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi. How are you? Good. Good morning, uh, this, Mark. This is Ron, it's is Roland. it? Roland. Yeah, hi, yeah. Roland. How's it going? Yeah. Yeah, you know, dealing with it. I think you're doing a good job, though, Mark. You're really uh, handing them their behinds on a plate. These, uh, you know, our, our government. <laughs> for the I, I think it has to be looked at this way. These are not leaders. These are weak people. And if you look around at the governments, the people that are making these ridiculous statements and toting this this uh, fairyland line, um, they're they're weak. They're like bottom of the barrel scrapings. You know what? You're absolutely correct of this. And I want, yeah. to, I want to make a point to that, Roland, because Go. if you ever consider a bully, I mean, we've all known bullies, right? School, you're your typical bull, yeah. you know, bully in a schoolyard, right? They'll push yeah. you around. They'll demand your lunch money. They'll take this. They'll take that. But deep inside, they're, they're afraid. And, Absolutely. you know, as soon as you hit back at these people, as soon as you get right in their face and you say, we're yeah. not going to take it, 
I'm not going to give you another dime. And in fact, here's a shot in the head. You know, I'm yeah. not advocating violence. I'm just using this as a metaphor. Bullies yeah, yeah. generally are cowards. And yeah. so they compensate for their cowardice by trying to get in your face and take what you have. And sometimes I think that same type of mentality exists with some of these politicians. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're weak. They're weak. Um, and they do have that bully thing. And, you know, People who have no talent, give them a little bit of authority, they become megalomaniacs. They're drunk on it. I know this. You know it from the past. You get people that are total losers. They got maybe the same mentality as a houseplant, and yet they get shoved into, a, into the arena. Why? I'll tell you why. Because they're putty. And there are foreign forces like China um, that want our country. We are really, really a small country population-wise, huge land-wise, and they want it. That's why they've got Alberta. They're closing it down, basically. They, they're not. Trudeau is. Trudeau, uh, Trudeau is bought. He has been bought so many times over. The guy's guilty. We can't get him out. Why can't we get him out? The money has been spread around. China has been placing money, and this is fact. All of our leaders have received little gifts through shell companies. They don't even know who it is, but now they get the phone call. Hey, we gave you the money you don't want. It's either the photos of, of child sex or you took money that you shouldn't have. These are compromised people. These are not leaders, and they will never go down. You're, you hit it on the head. A bully will fold. We've all had those experiences, too. You get shoved around, shoved around one day. You, you know, it's just a eureka, that enlightenment moment. You think, no, I don't, and you, you, you slam it, and it's over. Bullies are the biggest con jobs. But I'll tell you, a bigger con job is this whole vaccine thing. If they... You know, they say there's a, a, a 0.023 fatality death. If you separate all of the deaths that the, um, the hospitals are shoving in so they can get their little piece of money from the government as a supplement, when they say, oh, it's, it's the coronavirus, they get 1305 uh, for uh, taking them in, and they get compensated that money, whether it's a, uh, a hangnail, a motorcycle accident, shotgun uh, cancer, whatever. When they separate all those deaths, we don't have anything to worry about. There's a point zero two three death um, fatality of this, and also nobody, nobody is is is. Uh, where are these people? You know, they say the hospitals are overloaded. They're overloaded. These fictitious things are going around. This is fear. This is fear. Fear is the biggest thing. They take it. We're now celebrating basically what a year of UN martial law. We have been conquered. We just don't know. But don't look up to Trudeau. Trudeau is in the pocket of these people. He's a, he's a communist. He keeps praising them in front of these weak-minded audiences that he caters to. So that's it. I, I'm just um, really well, pissed off with this whole thing. It's good you're there. I hope people wake up because that's what they're counting on. We won't wake up. We're too cushy. We're too comfortable. So we just take it and we roll over and say, in our minds, oh, how could they do this? We don't have that a psychotic, psychopathic that they do. All leaders are psychopaths. They have no guilt. They run you over. You say, hey, you ran me over. They say, well, you were in the way. Sorry. You know, they don't well, care. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, the type of politician that I would trust most are the most are the reluctant politicians, the people that you actually have to drag up there and say, all right, look, we need you. And if they don't want it because they're wary of power, 
right? Yeah, like we want politicians Trump. who are wary of having their hands on the reins of power and have, on the levers of power because they know what a huge responsibility it is. But we don't yeah. have that. I think we, the people that end up gravitating towards positions of authority, are often like the power mad types. They can't, you know, they they've had issues all their lives with being feeling powerless, and they want to somehow compensate for all that when they get in a position of authority. You know, all yeah. of a sudden they go nuts. Yeah, and like we're seeing evidence of that. I don't know. I mean, I can't say that all leaders are bad because surely there are some good politicians out there. But you have to be real selective and you have to look long and hard before we allow people to take the reins of power and find out who these people are. We need people gravitating towards politics who don't necessarily want the job. I don't know how you feel about this, Roland, but I feel about that. Like Trump, for instance, you know, Trump didn't necessarily Trump could have made a lot more money staying out of politics. And he knows that people say, well, he only got into politics to to, uh, you know, enrich himself. Himself. You know, getting yeah, yeah. into politics cost him over a billion dollars. When yeah, people boycotting wrong. his you're businesses wrong. and, you know, not being able to build stuff and not being able to do all the stuff that made him money. Get, he doesn't take any money for being a politician. You know, he got into that role because he felt the need because his country was in trouble. And that's the kind of people we need gravitating towards public life. And thank you for your call, Roland. Because hey, no, uh, no problem. Uh, I do appreciate. Well, hey, watch your back because you're on you're on target, and they don't like that. So I don't even know why you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> but just keep up. The I'm fight, here today. You know, you know look, uh, you know, I'm here. Thank you. I mean, I, I I'm here today. I mean, sometimes I think, well, these guys, they figure that the vast majority of media is on their side and in their pocket doing exactly what they... So if they have a couple of loud mouths out there, kind of over there somewhere, Petroni, maybe a couple of others, you know, spotting this stuff, they're not going to have a whole lot of uh, issues with it because they think that we're not reaching enough people to make that big of a difference. But once that starts to change, (laughs) watch out because people will gravitate towards this show. More and more people are listening to this show all the time. And as that happens, then it's going to start raising the hackles of those who don't want us to say what we're saying or don't want me to say what I'm saying. But it's too bad. You know, my my role is tell the truth to the best degree as possible. It's real simple. I have a simple rule. Just try to tell the truth. Really try to tell people what's going on and be honest with people to respect the listeners of this show. All right. That's kind of where I'm at. That's my position. And then let the chips fall where they may. I'm not carrying water for anybody, for any commercial, for any, you know, party. You know, no party is, is I'm not taking any money from those guys, any of those guys. Now, any of them. That's why I feel perfectly comfortable in ripping any of them. And you'll hear me that I go after everybody on this show. Yeah, I happen to go after the people in power because right now they're the ones, I think, that are overusing their power. The state control needs to be something that is handled extremely sensitively. And when you have ham-fisted, power-hungry people in positions of authority, they become problematic for the rest of us. And yet the more they have power, the more drunk they get. And the more they want, you know what I mean? There's a there's an insatiable need for more and more power. It's like they have some of it. They're happy one day. But then, you know, I got to exert. It's not just having power. It's exerting power over others. That's the thing that these people are just so drunk on. It's not enough simply to be in a position of authority to have power. No, you have to exert power over others. And, you know, it's like a, a drug addict with a fix who needs a fix, right? Sometimes that fix has to get a little bit bigger all the time in order to give you the same level of high. Heroin addicts have that issue, 
right? It's after a while, you know, this amount, or Coke addicts. You know, it's like, you know, the more that you, you get, the more you need in order to continue making you feel like you've had enough, to, to feel satiated. And I think power is as much of a drug as anything else. Now, you never hear about it. Very rarely do you hear people say, well, he's addicted. I mean, in the same breath as they would refer to, say, a chemical addiction or a nicotine addiction. You know, you can be addicted to gambling. You can be addicted to alcohol. You can be addict- addicted to, you know, sex. Some people are addicted to whatever. They have addictions to all these types of things that, that they need in order to feel good. So it's not a case of, well, they do these things, you know, period, like gambling period, I go to the casino, you know, a few times a year or whatever. No, after a while, they got to go and they got to gamble everything that they can get their hands on. You become addicted to this thing, gambling. You're going to be addicted to alcohol. You know, it's not just a drink or a glass of wine every now and again. No, you got to drink like a, you know, a Mickey, a scotch every few hours in order to make yourself feel better. Well, what I'm saying and I'm trying to get that point across to Roland. I think he understands that, is that you could be that same level of an addict when it comes to power. You know, you can you can get in a position like a Kim Jong Un type, and you look at a guy like that. And there, you know, he certainly exhibits the to the uh, the traits of somebody who's literally addicted to the to power. And what what comes along with that addiction to power? Well, paranoia. So you, have, you start having people whacked. You know, he, he had his uncle killed, right? He has other people whacked all the time. You know, he gets up in the morning and if he has, uh, you know, if he's in a bad mood, he just might have somebody killed just to make himself feel like he's powerful again. And the more powerful you get, the more you exert power, the more enemies you make, and the more paranoid you become because you start thinking, you know, that this person or that person is after me, right? And that's what I call as a reminder. So if there are people who are on the take, people who are corrupt, you know, really think about what you're getting into because, you know, you're getting into a world in which the people that bought you off are going to get rid of you when they no, no longer need you, right? It's like being Stalin's buddy one day. Well, it's all fine and good. But the next day he doesn't like you for whatever reason. You're dead. You're gone. You know? You're evaporated. It's like you never existed. You're airbrushed out of photographs. More news talk to come after this. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Well, uh, take a look into the night sky later today because Jupiter and Saturn the two largest planets in the solar system will appear closer together than they have ever been since the Middle Ages, offering billions of people around the world a celestial treat around the holidays, and uh, it's kind of neat. Anyway, we've got a caller on the line. It is Darko. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you. What's going on? Oh, so I was in Hamilton yesterday. Okay. Shutting the place down. (laughs) Rolling up the sidewalks. 
that's it, man. Yeah, it's kind of it, 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 it's sad. Like I was in Guelph on uh, Saturday, and uh, yeah, so I was in a restaurant. I, I kind of gave a quick count of seating in there, and there's uh, over a hundred seats in a pretty well spaced out place. Like I, I, I'd assume I've been there before. I think it had more tables, but I could be wrong. But you know, there was I think anywhere between eight to ten of us in there, and it just it, it's shocking for me to believe that. You know that this is a place that is spreading uh, COVID, right? You know, like it's always the fault of, of small independent business. That you, you, you guys are the ones that there are the places that are, you know, are spreading. And then I get these other people too here. Uh, you went to this a restaurant. They start for you into a restaurant. It's like, well, you take, you get takeout. What do you think? Your takeout? Somebody's not making it. It's made by a machine or something. <laughs> You know, you go to pick it up, or the guy brings it to your your, your house, or, or woman. Most of my here are, are, are look like immigrant guys, right? Doing these deliveries and that. Uh, you know, it's just ridiculous, and and uh, I can't find it right now on my computer. I think my little tablets pick it up, but uh, you know, they have these areas where they show you the cases in terms of the healthcare units, and you know. If uh, I guess Ontario hasn't announced that it's province-wide lockdown, but they say it's going to happen, right? Sometimes yeah, no, it's it's we're headed there. I mean, I tried yeah, to yeah, walk yeah. into it, but you, uh, you know, you're like in Algoma. It's virtually nothing. Algoma Why are you punishing those people. You know, yeah, the North smaller, the smaller and, uh, communities. You know, Perry Sound and, and Sudbury and these other areas. It's not it's not that bad there, right? So if you're gonna okay, if you're gonna punish us, punish us down here. But why them too? Well, I guess you'll have to ask uh, not only the premier, but some of those members of provincial parliament that are objecting to it as well. But we're told that the polls are okay with it. I mean, that uh, people are totally behind Premier Ford and lockdowns, that uh, everybody's on side. Everybody's saying, yeah, let's go for it. I mean, I was (laughs) mentioning Brian's story in the Toronto Sun. Uh, suggesting that uh, the polling is uh, is very favorable towards lockdowns. I don't believe it, but what do you think? I mean, I think you got over. What you must have like a million people who who work for the civil service, either either with uh, the the province, the federal government, or or the cities in Ontario. So doesn't doesn't affect them, right? So they're they're totally fine. Their families are fine. They're people who don't make uh, who haven't made a lot of money, like some of the. the quote-unquote artists who probably are getting more money now, who probably like, okay, yeah, I can make up to $1,000 plus I get supplemented. Maybe it's better for them. So they don't care, right? But you go, you go to a place that's like a, like a, a restaurant, a clothing shop, a, a, a music store, and, and all these places, and, and ask them. You know, like I, this, uh, I was at the place I mentioned in, in, in uh, uh, Guelph, Diana downtown. So I was on their website, and they came to Canada in 2005. And from what I could take, it, either around 2012, 2013, they, they put everything they had into this restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Other life savings. So basically everything's on the line. You could lose everything, yep. everything you yep. work for. Yep. So what are you going to do? You're going to spend another eight years trying to build up some kind of capital to start something again. You can't do it, right? And, and I think... A lot of people who work in whether it's you're you're in you're in schools and, and government administration and all these other places, they don't see that. They don't understand. What about they, if they they, uh, did, they could not take money? So in other words, say the premier sending a message and saying, "Look, I'm not going to take another 
a penny in salary until this whole lockdown situation is is sorted through. So members of parliament, cabinet ministers, uh, bureaucrats, anybody that takes a salary from the government says, you know, that there's going there's to be a freeze. We're not taking any money from the taxpayers of this province, anywhere in the country, as a matter of fact, federally, whatever, provincially, wherever you happen to be. Governments are going to say no cash for you until this situation, as far as the economic lockdowns and the impact on small and medium-sized business, it has been ironed out and sorted out. I mean, to me, that seems like it would be a great gesture. A great. Well, I, I think anybody involved in the decision process, right? So I, I don't, I don't look. If you're a low-level civil servant, whatever you, are, you don't make that choice, right? You're not Doctor Devilla. You're not Doctor Williams, right? Who would sit there around their table? And come up with this thing, and you're getting paid your whatever three hundred grand a year, and you're all right. You're all right, Charlie. Right? Yeah. Your life's fine. You're very That's all right. What you're, where you're living at, you, know, you there's no pain for you. <laughs> you know, really, yeah, right? That's exactly. Yeah, come right. on, it's, it's it's true, right? They they suffer. They, you're not in it with us. You're making decisions that that you have zero financial effect, and other people's lives are, are not like it's not like they're destroyed. Like, honestly, what I, what I find shocking, I mean, I see some places closed up, like, you know, here and there, but I am absolutely shocked it's not more places. You know, people are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. I, but, I don't know um, how they do it. Honestly, I don't. Like, when I had the bylaw officer yeah. come see me in March to say for, like, working outside, and I knew that I could work outside and talk to my MP, P and that, and, and uh, you know, he was a guy who obviously probably was just hired in the last week or so telling me I, I shouldn't be operating, right? You don't know anything, buddy, right? <laughs> I tell you, it's my livelihood anyway, right? As long as I... It's like they yeah. really don't get it, but I, I think that there, it's a power play by some of these people. They can't possibly be that stupid that they don't understand. But I well, think these people... A lot get, of people are like, I mean, I don't, you can even go back. It's not just like, say, this generation, but I see a lot of it in the generation younger than me that I guess has been drilled home. They, they've lived in a little bit of a helicopter environment. They're coddled a little bit more. I know I was more definitely than my parents, probably a hundred times, right? My life, yeah, yeah, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they have all this, and and I find you know they freak out over stuff, but they, but it's like picking and choosing. But it's what they're told, right? Not what they've thought about and saying, hey, this makes sense for me. Like from day one, I should be. You know, I say even like the mask. I understand why the government couldn't tell people you got to go get a mask when there's not masks out there. But an individual should have maybe the foresight, if you're that kind of person who lives in that kind of fear, to figure out, maybe I should have a mass rate. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mark. That's all right, Darko. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for your call. Anyway, I, I appreciate you that. Thank you. All right. That is Darko. Uh, this story from the Gateway Pundit, big news coming out of Pennsylvania. Trump tweeting very big illegal ballot drop. Uh, Trump sending out uh, a massive update on the Pennsylvania fraud. Well, you know... I tell you, we better see something more than just a tweet, and we better see it pretty darn soon if, if Trump has any hope of uh, pulling this thing out of the fire. Uh, the tweet was, big news coming out of Pennsylvania, a very big illegal drop. Yeah, I mean, it is outrageous. Trump led by 700,000 votes on election night. They stopped the voting. Next day, all of a sudden, he's trailing. It was just, and then you could see some of the spikes in the number of votes. Um, I mean, the fraud is so painfully obvious. Um, simple math showing that Biden claiming 13 million more votes than were eligible to vote in 2020. Well, that's just a that's just an impossibility. I mean, there's no way he got that many votes. No way. 
Democrats literally dumped hundreds of thousands of votes to steal Pennsylvania from Trump. The question is, what's going to be done about it? What is going to be done about it? All right, my friends, it's been a lot of fun bringing this show to you on this Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in. And guess what? We get to do it again tomorrow. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.